Welcome to Armenian Women Empowerment. This is a podcast that will help you identify the negative and sexist rhetoric thrown your way and how to stand up for yourself in its wake. You will hear Jackie's personal story of how she survived an emotionally, familially, and financially abusive marriage and how to identify and prevent toxic family and professional relationships for yourself. It's not amut to be an Armenian woman in the diaspora. It's empowering. Let's switch this conversation up about us and take actionable steps towards uplifting, encouraging, and empowering ourselves each day. Okay, uh, third time's a charm. Hi, this is Jackie from Armenian Women Empowerment. I've been trying to podcast and I keep getting interrupted. Uh, So (laughs) I'm gonna try to make this really happen and not have to stop it in the middle and edit and all of that stuff. So like I said, I usually podcast and I just push it out. I find it easier that way and um, a lot more authentic. Um, I noticed of myself that I am producing about one podcast a week and I'd like to increase that number to two times a week Uh, but podcasting is expensive and time timely I mean uh, it's timely too (laughs) Um, but also costly so um, I think I will try to stick to my once a week today I am going to advertise a very important fundraiser that's going on and then in the next couple weeks I should have a podcast about another important fundraiser going on uh, for Armenian women. Um, Today I wanted to talk a little bit about my empowered son and you know that this is Armenian women empowerment but also for those Armenian men that are empowered enough to listen. And so he is an empowered Armenian and he came up to me today and showed me his Instagram account. He follows Tesla. He loves Tesla, right? Well, maybe not after this uh, war and after we discovered SpaceX and all of that, that Elon Musk is entangled with um, in regards to Turkey and uh, basically Turkey's supporter. And So uh, he was showing me his Instagram account and I guess there's this new fancy schmancy candy apple red Tesla that's coming out and uh, my son had commented something like, oh, you know, too bad this company is involved with terrorists. And I guess somebody from Tesla responded. It was the same icon as on the Instagram, you know, app. and um, said something like, why do you say that? And, and my son responded very aptly and appropriately and said, because uh, Elon Musk is involved with terrorist countries like Turkey, and he will not pull out of those agreements that he is making with terrorist countries. And then they responded, it seemed like maybe the comment and the response came a little bit too soon maybe one didn't read the other but it said oh that's a rude comment to make but now i hope that they got a chance to read what he said i'm just so proud of my son i had to share it and also 
it's appropriate to this particular podcast that I wanted to talk to you about today, about diasporan Armenians and how we are faring after the war and how we are more woke now after the war, including my son. Um, so many things came out of that war against us. And so, you know, I'm seeing a lot of literature and things coming out in the news lately, and maybe you've read a few things here and there um, by journalists, Armenian journalists in the diaspora, kind of blaming the diaspora for not being there more for our country. And consequently, while this is going on, <laughs> I'm also um, writing about my experience in Armenia when I went to visit in 1983. So all of this is, you know, in my universe right now, and I feel like I needed to, you know, podcast about this because I feel very strongly about being a diaspora in Armenian. And I feel very, not, not defensive, but I do want to not just defend Armenia, but I want to defend diaspora and Armenians because we haven't had the easiest time in our lives to be able to be the best and biggest and greatest supporters of our tiny little country getting smaller all the time. I think that it's unfair to call all diasporans lazy. I think it's unfair to blame all diasporans for a government that failed. I think it's unfair to blame all diasporans for all things that go wrong in Armenia. And the proof is in the pudding. We have so many things right now, even before this 45 day war was waged against us. I'll speak for myself. I put out a podcast trying to call out the bullshit on Armenian men that continue to abuse us. The reason for doing that is to make us all better, not just diaspora in Armenia, but to improve conditions in Armenia proper, in Yerevan. And so it's really unfair to call all diaspora and Armenians lazy. That is, it's not only unfair, it's unfounded because there are so many people that also privately have supported Armenia. Before social media, believe it or not, there were people that really wholeheartedly put a lot of effort and time into Armenia. Okay, maybe not a lot. Okay, maybe just the rich and famous, but nonetheless, that might have been on the quiet side. So how dare you say that we didn't do our very best? I happen to live in one of the most expensive places this side of the United States has to offer and socioeconomics can be involved with our uh, not being able to support Armenia in the best way possible by either visiting or um, sending money. Uh, we are in a global pandemic and we have a lot of Armenians in our community, whether you want to believe it or not. We have a lot of Armenians in our affluent parts of town not doing so well anymore. So that's not a really good way 
to treat people that are just trying to take care of themselves as best as they can and then move outward and give. Now, I'm not saying that you have to give money to help Armenia, but that certainly would be a really good place to start, right? Um, I'm also gonna say that after this war, uh, just like my son became way more involved and interested and you know contributory to Armenia, we all woke up from that and became the biggest, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Um, we, we became the biggest advocates, right? We protested. We are now the social activists that we've always been, but tenfold, right? We have 10,000 people marching in the streets and we've got, you know, Armenian journalists screaming at, uh, you know, all of the major networks and trying to get people on board with understanding what's going on in Armenia and to please help defend Armenia, right? So we, you know, being a social activist since I was 10 and in AYF, I'll, I can easily draw back that uh, hand on the clock to when I was 10 years old and just starting to learn about social activism and, you know, being a supporter of Armenia, you know, that is something that is not only unheard of in the diaspora, but many people who come here from Iran, come here from Armenia, come here from uh, Egypt, from Lebanon, from Jordan, from Syria. Uh, they have told me that they are amazed that living in America and living in the diaspora all these years, I even know what Armenians are, that I even know my culture. So I know that we've been doing the best we could possibly do for Armenia over the years. Even while I was under the thumb of my abusive marriage, even during that time, I was effectual in some ways, in some small ways, probably could have been, uh, you know, in more ways had I not been so severely abused, but I still was somehow effectual and beneficial to my Armenian community via the place I worked, via the social connections I kept, uh, via the, um, uh, you know, organizations that I was a part of, via my son's school. So it's really not fair to tell us that diasporans haven't done enough or that it's even too late for diasporans to do something supportive of our very small country and getting small every day. It's not fair. We're doing our best. And now we're doing more than our best because we saw the effects of this war, okay? We saw what this war can absolutely possibly do to us in the future if we're attacked. We still have prisoners of war, I'm hearing, like they haven't all been released. 
hey, listen, we're woke now. Okay? And we will continue to be as beneficial and helpful as possible. I have to reiterate my altar piece, <laughs> okay? My daily meditation and on my altar is a yellow kind of post-it note. It's actually not a post-it note, it's like an index card. I started off with post-it notes, but the post-it notes are a little bit too um, flimsy and we're flipping and flapping in the wind sometimes when the, the door opens. So I was like, okay, I need something a little more solid. And I found this um, uh, cute little thing. It's kind of like a picture stand, you know, those picture stands um, and it's shaped like hearts. I love it. And you know, you put the card inside of it, just like you would put a picture inside of it and it's right there in front of you. And I use that for what I want to focus on while I'm meditating and while I'm praying. And I have this note card that says five minutes of being beneficial to Armenia, especially women in some way. That's what it says. And I'll tell you what, because I wrote it down, because it's in front of me on my altar every day, because it's in my meditation practice every day, it somehow flows out. It somehow is in there now in the universe. And even when I'm not thinking about spending five minutes a day being beneficial to Armenian women and some, I am. The opportunities present themselves when you put it out there. You're gonna have to trust me on this one because it's working. <laughs> I wouldn't tell you about it if it didn't work, but it is. I wrote it down, put it on my altar, it's there. And I'll, you know, I have other things there on my altar too, like you know, to, to maintain my health and weight. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the only thing on my altar. I'm just saying that that is something for our podcast purposes today to, you know, to say it works, okay? You put it out there in the universe and somehow you don't even have to think about it anymore. Somehow whatever you put out there is coming forth in your life. And you know, my note card says every day and it happens every day. I can give you example after example after example. I might make a list, but sometimes they just happen so infrequently and when I, infrequently is the right word. They happen so randomly and haphazardly like you know, just before I go to bed, I just don't have time to write it down or even think that, oh wow, in that way, I was just beneficial to an Armenian. <laughs> I was just beneficial to Armenia in some way. Look at that. So, you know, it's gotten to the point where I'm like, huh, well that happened. And I could just like, you know, put a check mark off on my list of things that, you know, that presented itself for me to be beneficial. So you can do that too. I don't think it's just limited to me. I'm certainly no no one more special than you. Um, I think that everybody could make it a habit in their life to somehow push something out into the world that, um, that uh, uplifts and uh, moves Armenian women forward. I think it's really easy to do that. I think that now, since our country is made up, whatever's left of Armenia is definitely made up more 
of women than men. And we need to think about how pulling our country forward and moving forward with Armenia is also moving mountains for the Armenian women of Armenia. So I think that's very possible. And I think it is something that we have worked on over the years, but for whatever reason, you know, be it socioeconomic, be it a global pandemic, <laughs> you know, all of these things could hinder our efforts forward. Now, I have to say something that I know is controversial. And, you know, just like I said, we don't like to talk about sex. We don't like to talk about money as Armenians. But I do have to say that we should start having this conversation. And it's about our Armenian community that is poor. We do have a low income base in our affluent neighborhoods. Yes, we do. And all I ever hear about, including from my own family over the years, is that people on public assistance and all that stuff, you know, they're just lazy and, you know, they just want to, you know, live off the fat of the land and, you know, live off the government and uh, lazy Democrats that come from Armenia, blah, blah. No, you know what? Yeah, not really. No, no. Maybe once in a while we have like 1% of the community that abuses that system. But believe me, it isn't a system you want to be on. I've been on that system. When I kicked my ex out, I was on that system. It's not a fun system to be on. It's not fun to be having to be accountable every single month to the government just because you need food in your mouth and food on the table. It's hard work. They don't just hand you thousands of dollars and say, go ahead, here you go, enjoy your life. No, that's not really what happens. It's a very small amount of money that public assistance gives. It's a good amount of money. It's, it's important. Don't, don't get me wrong. It's important. And I am definitely telling you that I benefited. My son and I benefited from that three years ago, but it was something uh, three and a half years ago now. But it's something that I couldn't tell my parents about. It's something I couldn't tell other Armenian community members about. In fact, the only people I shared it with were non-Armenians because non-Armenians were a lot less judgmental of me as a single mother that needed to feed her son and herself. So don't tell me that we don't have a community that is low income. We do. And sometimes we're low income for a little while and sometimes we're low income for a lot, a while, <laughs> a long while. Okay, you know, you know what I mean? Um, and there are reasons for that. There are mental health reasons for that. There are socioeconomic reasons for that. There's education reasons for that. The list goes on and on. We're not all perfect and we're not all, you know, uh, millionaires and fancy business owners. And yes, I do get your point when you say, well, you know, the Armenians drive all these fancy cars and they're wasting their money. They might very well be wasting their money on fancy cars. That might be it. But when you go inside their house, or their, usually it's an apartment, you'll see that this is the only enjoyment they get. 
<laughs> having that car payment is probably the only enjoyment they get. And by the way, living in LA, you kind of have to have a new car. It's really hard to drive around LA with an old car, <laughs> at least before COVID. So shame on you for making the Armenian community seem like uh, a bunch of thugs just living off the fat of the land. The fat of the land isn't what you think it is, by the way. Your tax dollars don't go to feed people with thousands of dollars each month. It's like, I think, I think I got, um, I think I got 400 a month for my income base at the time that was 1700. I think it was $1,700 a month allowed allotted me like 300 in food and 400 in cash it was a really minuscule amount it didn't even amount to my rent so don't tell me that public assistance is something that armenians are good at because they just want to be lazy you still have to work and be on public assistance and when you have to work and be on public assistance, you know what that means? You probably cannot be the most beneficial to Armenia, at least monetarily. So no place for blame. There's absolutely no place for blame. Okay, and please do understand that we have a low income base. Even in our affluent neighborhoods, things are changing. The pandemic has affected people even with a big business base and big income base. It's affected everyone. Not everyone is doing well. So shame on you if you're sitting there still like blaming diaspora and Armenians um, who live in expensive neighborhoods and can't afford them and are on public assistance. Shame on you. Don't do that. The 1% of Armenians, or anyone, not just Armenians, the 1% of people who are taking advantage of the system, you know, that's 1%. <laughs> it's not a lot. And, you know, they're getting really good at it. And now that everybody in the world is practically on unemployment, they're getting really good at that. They're, you know, the systems are beefing up, right? We're going from uh, cobalt to uh high-speed internet within seconds because we have this big problem sometimes big problems lead to big solutions and um, and you know it's it, it's all it, it's all good you when you are when you are spending your time dissing Armenians in the diaspora you're wasting your time not helping Armenians in Armenia. So spend your time wisely. You know, think about what you're talking about. Have conversations. It's good to talk. I'm not saying don't talk, but don't gossip. Don't gossip against diaspora and Armenians. We haven't had it easy either, okay? We have our issues too. And we've been doing the best we can. Now we're doing better and it only gets better from here. So let's stop sitting in the past and blaming old oligarchies and old friends. Let's start <clears throat> making new connections, uplifting each other, keeping it positive, keeping it real. You know, praise your kids when they call it out 
with big companies like Tesla. Praise your children for defending Armenia. The sooner they get started, the better. That's what's making our diaspora strong, which consequently makes Armenia stronger. Spending time praising your children, like my son, who called it out. He called out the bullshit. And maybe Tesla is rethinking their system right now. Maybe. You never know. You never know. Even kids can affect change. Anyone can affect change in a positive direction. And we are all capable of turning poison into medicine. That war against us was poison. <clears throat> but now we have a big opportunity in front of us to turn that poison into medicine. And I hope that listening to this podcast turns the poison into medicine for you too. And I will speak to you next time. Have a very, very empowered afternoon, evening, if you're listening to this in Armenia, and day. Bye. Hi, everybody. I have a fundraiser for you. I think it's really, really good. I want you to check out Anna Asvazadorian Turkot. She's the author of Nowhere and a survivor of the first ethnic cleansing that was done to Armenians in the 90s. The background of her fundraiser is the Armenian nation has been working for overgrasp and defining the humanitarian, emotional, and physical impact of the Armenian genocide. The Armenian nation waited to start the same process for the atrocities and losses that it faced at the hands of the Azerbaijani authorities during the beginning of the Artsakh movement. The massacres that took place in Sumgate, Kirovabad, Baku, and Marara during the organized ethnic cleansing campaign conducted by the Azerbaijani government and the property and lands lost during those events were never acknowledged, let alone compensated. We cannot let this happen again in the 21st century during the tragedy of the 2020 Artsakh War. The goal, here's the goal, the goal of the initiative will be to document emotional and physical damages suffered by the affected populations of Armenians of Artsakh in the aftermath of the 2020 Artsakh War. Information collected will be utilized in three potential ways. To establish the legal framework for restitution of Armenians who suffered financial and personal loss during the 2020 Artsakh War. To establish a knowledge base to assess and to provide socioeconomic assistance to those affected families. Also to utilize the information collected for future genocide, war crimes, crime of aggression, and crimes against humanity preventative measures. Check her out um, on Instagram. Check her story out there as well. Follow her and you will find out more information at Anna Asvazadorian Turcot. Okay, thank you so much and enjoy this next podcast.